Hello and welcome to Alice's, a show where we analyze TV shows. I am a host, Annie. Uh, I'm Aaron. Uh, I'm also a host, I guess. I think I just got a promotion. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what I was supposed to be doing around here, but now I guess I'm talking on the microphone about yeah. TV shows as well. Yes. Um, specifically one per episode, usually. Specifically an episode of one per episode, usually. Although, you know, that might change. Who knows? And it'll be. Uh, um, you know, it'll be a mystery and you'll find out. So relax yourself. <laughs> Amen. You tell that audience. We don't uh -huh. want to be too friendly to our audience right off the bat. No, no way. No. You, I think, I think you're going to be, you, you be bad cop and I'll be good cop. <laughs> All right. Listen here, you little jerks. <laughs> uh, today we're talking about, what are we talking about? We are talking about the Black Mirror episode, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley 2. Okay. Yeah, this is a pretty unusual episode for Black Mirror in that it's uh, heartwarming, uh, not too scary, um, pretty goofy. It's kind of like, like a Disney movie in many ways, except they say the F word quite a few times, and, uh, and Miley Cyrus is in it. So yeah. it's, it's different. It is. It's, it's a very... And Black Mirror itself is a very different TV show, and I, I, I enjoy it. it. It has elements of both modern and, and old versions of TV shows. So it has that, you know, because there's a lot more F-bombs and the graphics are a lot shinier, but then at the same time, each episode is contained, like a complete story, and I approve of that. And the pacing is a lot slower in most of those episodes as well. They're much slower than most of the the other TV shows, so. As a concept, I enjoy it. And this particular episode, I enjoyed greatly. However, right off the bat, I started to quibble with it, and I will tell you why. Okay, well, should we give a general synopsis of the show, or should we just say, like, right off the bat, what, what your problem of it was? Well, it's, it's, it's a very slight problem, but there's no Oxford comma in the title on Netflix. Mm, okay. I right? wonder why they chose it's to do that. It's Rachel, comma, Jack and Ashley, too. And it should be Rachel, comma, Jack, comma, and Ashley, too. You know, I would prefer that as well. But um, recently I've gotten, a, uh, I, I, I've had cause to write in the AP style, where often you don't use the Oxford comma unless you feel it's absolutely necessary. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I so, think AP stands for ass paragraph what <laughs> well yeah maybe it does i don't know or associated press or or my name um oh, oh or your name oh my goodness i didn't i forgot that was your oh <laughs> uh, all right anyway so rachel jack and ashley too it was written by uh charlie brooker directed yeah, by he's one of the executive producers uh on the show charlie brooker uh, yeah, one of the creators and executive producers, I, I believe the main one at the beginning. Um, uh. I think, I, I might be getting the name wrong, but Lisa Brooker, um, yes relation, uh, I think they're married is the other one, executive producer, and there might be some other main names in there too, but uh, those are kind of the big two right at the moment. 
uh, unless well, I am wrong, because I don't have the notes in front of me, but that's what I remember. Well, all I have was written by Charlie Brooker. I did absolutely no research on who these people were. I just thought it was important to read their names out loud. Well, I remember it uh, in part because you said something about each episode being totally self-contained. And we've talked before about how each one uh, plays around in a different genre. We've talked before a little bit about how sci-fi is a setting, not a genre. Uh, yes. So you might have trappings of sci-fi, but really like Star Wars, right? Especially the original Star Wars is a uh, Western slash a uh, coming of age story. It has a lot of elements of, uh, of uh, Japanese um, sort of samurai yeah, it's, movies. It's the hero's it. journey in sci-fi, where Star Trek is completely different. Star Trek is a space opera, yeah, but even a space opera, I mean, even that uh, kind of structure is kind of just like, well, as it implies, a soap opera in space. And of course, yeah. the original were more serialized as well. Much more serialized. More of a pulp serial, more of a comic book, kind of a space comic book in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, and that's honestly, that's why I like Black Mirror, because it feels more like a comic book, and it feels more like the original series of Star Trek, and I wish, I wish more shows were doing that. I don't, like, I get tired of all these continuing plot lines sometimes. Yeah, screw that. Give me something totally new. I don't want to, like, fall in love with characters or, like, you know, follow their journey over multiple well, seasons or get invested <laughs> in I'm just kidding. But, hey, yeah, I, I, I agree. There <laughs> Merits to both. There are merits to both. Anyway, I should probably finish reading the, the names before we get into the summary. Sure. Right? So it was written by Charlie Brooker, who's apparently a bigwig. And then we all, it was directed by Anne Sawitsky. And the cinematography was by Stefan Pearson. And I mentioned the cinematography solely because there are some moments in there, some cinematic moments that I uh, quite enjoy. Oh, that reminds me of something that I, I didn't actually finish my point about Lisa Brooker. She prefers to refer to each episode of Black Mirror as a film. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I think it's why these episodes are so finely crafted. And they're able to grab my attention in a way that a lot of other TV shows aren't. Because of, it's, it's just, uh, each, each Black Mirror episode I've seen has been utterly different and utterly impressive. So... Let's, with that, let's dig into it. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so we're gonna start with the opening, or you said there, there was one thing that bothered you. Oh, never mind. that was the Oxford comic. It was the Oxford, yeah. It was, it was right. a silly little quibble. <laughs> um, so the first scene is just uh, your basic character intro where we're establishing the world and the main characters. You have Rachel, Jack, and Kevin Goggins, which are the first characters we're introduced to. Uh, Kevin is an exterminator trying to find a, a humane way to exterminate mice. Jack is the older punk rock and roll sister. And Rachel, uh, the main character and the first sort of character we are introduced to, is a younger, shyer sister who is uh, very much into Ashley O, a pop star. Um, the mother of this family is dead, though that isn't revealed until a bit later, but they do show an important piece of tech in this sort of opening establishing scene, uh, which is the dad uh, has a computer that can scan brains, can do a bit of a brain scan. Uh, yeah, we also so you see that, that pretty soon, immediately after, um, in the very beginning they're established, you see Rachel in the cafeteria at school, and uh, you see that she's kind of a, a loner and an outcast and avoiding people and, you know, um, 
some teacher tries to talk to her about joining a talent show and she like shakes her head and runs away. But um, she loves watching pop music videos uh, from this person that she really likes, Ashley O, on her phone. And that's what she's up to. As the um, older, kind of more rebellious sister argues with the dad about where they've moved to, they establish that they just moved there. He pulls up in this embarrassing uh, truck with giant mouse ears on it. Such a good design. I love, I love the mouse ears and how, how the top of it is fuzzy. I wanted to touch it. Well, I'm glad you appreciate it because the daughters definitely don't. There's a lot of eye rolling and like yes. uh, embarrassment going on on, the, on their part. Um, but yeah, so, the, so they're arguing with each other. She's in the back. And then um, we cut back to the house um, where they live. A very and then modest see, looking house. Very modest looking house, yeah. And the sisters actually share a room separated between um, a bookshelf-like thing, a set of shelves. Um, and so, yeah, you get the idea these are not super wealthy people. So yeah. not entirely, you know, destitute or anything. Maybe he, um, maybe the, the dad has had some luck being a more conventional exterminator in the past, but his guilt is bothering him over that. I, I don't know. It's never really made clear why he is so intent on going through these extravagant methods to remove mice by, um, you know. No, it isn't. But I kind of like that it isn't made. I, I kind of like that we don't delve too far into him, but we, because there's obviously a reason why, but it's not important to the story that we're telling. But because there seems to be a very definite reason, every time the dad comes on screen is just gold. I love that character. Kevin Goggins is fabulous. Yeah, he's cool. He's also a, um, he's, he's very easily distracted, but besides that, he's a great, um, kind of father, just a general good guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he doesn't, his main character flaw is that he's so distracted with his, uh, his work and developing this, this thing and analyzing, we see it several times in public, he's analyzing the mouse traps around him uh, whenever he sees them and, and things like that, which causes him to miss things, but, but generally More on he's that later. a really good guy. Yeah. First, after they come home, uh, they, Rachel turns on the TV that the sisters share to a talk mm -hmm. show on which is Ashley O. And we are introduced to two more characters, uh, Catherine, Ashley's manager, and Ashley 2, which is a futuristic version of uh, those robo-dogs that were big in the 90s. Only yeah, so she's watching the TV uh, mm -hmm. and then it cuts over to... Uh, uh, an interview, an in-studio interview that Ashley's doing on this um, this talk show, you know, for celebrities, kind of a TMZ type outfit. And then uh, off screen, we see her manager. Ashley gives her a shout out on screen, so establishes, you know, her that's her aunt and also her manager. Um, some characters say aunt and some say aunt. Um, I always say aunt, but for some reason I said the other one. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> don't at me. Uh, <laughs> And then, and then Ashley uh, pulls out this toy and says, okay, here's what I'm here to promote. And that's what you're about to explain. Uh, yes, it's, it's Ashley too, a futuristic uh, looking doll um, that is based on Ashley O's personality. It can talk to you, it can learn about you. It's, it's, it's sophisticated like 90s robo dog. You know, that we all- And they give it a know, very- Did you ever have one of those in the 90s? 
not the official one. I, th I think I had one that was one of the multiple uh, kind of Knock versions or, or ripoffs of it, but I, I know what you're talking about. Um, kind of also kind of similar in design uh, to a Furby, um, except it's established that this one is, uh, you know, a lot more advanced. It's got a lot more sophisticated, actually the host of the show when she's introducing it, he's like, what? And it's like an AI or what? Um, yeah. And, and then they show a very- It's not an AI, it's a, it's a brain scan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type thing. But he does ask, oh, is it an AI? Because it's so, apparently so advanced, although we don't really see evidence of that right away. No. Um, and then they cut to a very 90s style commercial uh, where it's like, Ashley too gives makeout tips. Or not makeup, not makeout tips, but uh, makeover Make tips. Makeover. But the shit. There's but a then very she's big like, difference. She'll talk to you about boys. Hey, what are your problems, girl? Like that kind of thing. Like yeah, yeah, very, very much a Furby commercial. And uh, after, after the talk show, it's a the talk show sort of was a good transition because we see the talk show on TV, and then bam, we're suddenly in the studio and we're following Ashley O. Um. And she drives home uh, with her manager, Catherine, and she's, Catherine is very happy that the everybody loves the dolls on social media, and she's chattering away. And Ashley O is looking wistfully at a heavy metal club that they pass on their way home from the show. I didn't even notice that. I just saw her looking out the window. Ah, yes. It's, it's an important detail. They're, the, they come back to the, they circle back round to the beginning in very lovely ways at the end. So yeah, now I remember. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, cause so on the, the top of the, uh, cause on the, uh, above that club is a very like flashy picture slash commercial of, of Ashley O. And I thought she was looking at that and I, I didn't <sighs> put the pieces together until now that she was looking at that building. Anywho. We'll, we'll I even noticed there was uh, an advertisement of Ashley O up there. Yeah. So we both, we saw the exact same scene and noticed two completely different details. That is why we're awesome together. Yeah, you, <laughs> you better, you better believe it. <laughs> cool. So third scene. Uh, Ashley wakes up in her gigantic looking bed and starts working on a song, which is a lot slower and more somber than usual. It catches the attention of Catherine, who ascends the stairs in a lovely cinematic shot. I don't know if you remember the shot. It was, it had that sort of pale morning light coming through. Catherine was in a white flowing robe. The stairs were very white. It was very white and very stark. And those sort of that somber note music was playing yeah it was it was very ominous in a very very subtle way because it wasn't an ominous moment it was dawn it was a lot of bright white light but it was so stark because there was nothing on the walls it just stuck in my mind as a very oh i wonder if Catherine is the bad guy type of a way mm -hmm. so well done for that cinematographer um and then Catherine interrupts ashley and she says that the song was catchy and the song wasn't catchy. It was a ballad, not a, I, I hated, I both loved and hated. I loved the way Catherine, they made Catherine talk about Ashley O's songs. Cause from the very beginning, it was clear that she didn't understand the music at all. You know, by calling a slow ballad catchy. Right. Um, I didn't catch that at first, but um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, I was, I was kind of into the tune before she got interrupted. So. Right. Um, 
But then she goes on saying, oh, the lyrics are a bit of a departure. Like she obviously disapproves of these uh, uh, lyrics, which are um, kind of like about being alone, uh, being in a cage and uh, just generally pretty depressed. Yeah. And uh, it's a good clue to sort of Ashley's mental state. And uh, then Catherine asks if Ashley has been taking her meds. And at that point, I was like, okay, she's definitely the villain. <laughs> I don't know, whenever an authority figure asks a, a young artist if they've been taking their quote-unquote medicine, I'm like, mm, yeah, that person's probably not a good person. <laughs> yeah, it's like you only really, uh, for basically from anyone in authority towards anyone in... Um, less of a spot of authority no matter how much you know perceived power they may have over, over the other person um it's ge generally generally that's kind of a telegraph um that this is that this person doesn't have your best interests in mind which is pretty interesting um you know why that is we could go into it i'm not really sure why um i'm not really sure why either to be although honest, when that's but... deployed between equals like usually a couple uh you know in television shows it's more of a sign of care than anything else yeah, it's, I think it has to do with the, with the authority, because Catherine has been shown to, like, she has power over Ashley. So there's this idea that Ashley probably doesn't have the agency to refuse to take her medicine. No? Yeah. And that could be it. Yeah. Spooky shit. <laughs> Anyway, in the next scene, the fourth scene, uh, it is, we get to see Rachel's morning. We saw Ashley O's morning, now we get to see Rachel's morning. Uh, she has fallen in love with the Ashley Two dolls and asks her dad if she can have an Ashley Two for her birthday. And Kevin gives the typical non-committal parental answer. And uh, when Rachel leaves the room, Jack reminds him that her birthday is in a few days. Yeah, he's kind of, he's reading the newspaper, which is kind of interesting because it's like a near future world. It's like, who actually reads the newspaper? Because Kevin is not that old, right? He's like, um, you know, maybe late 40s or early 50s. Um, I would code him as even, I, I, I was going to code him at like, probably mid 30s, late 40s is what I would say. Oh yeah, so I mean, yeah, he, he, he looks quite young, quite, um, you know, in the beginning of middle age. And so to have him reading the newspaper easily telegraphs like distracted dad. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like and he should be on a phone, come on. They actually do, they actually do a few callbacks to other um, episodes, a few nods that this is uh, in the same, set in the same time period as other episodes are. Like before, um, Rachel's show comes on at one point when she's watching TV. I think it's at the fir first time, first or second time we see her watching TV in her room. Uh, you don't see anything on screen, but you hear a commercial about the grain upgrade, um, which is a callback to uh, first season as episode, The Entire History of You, um, which is basically around the same time in the, uh, in the Black Mirror canon, I guess, or universe. Everyone has these tiny little things that look like grains of rice. That's probably why they call them that. You know, it is why they call them that. Uh, ingrained in their temple, ingrained, that's probably another reason why they call them that, mm -hmm. um, that records all of their memories. But everyone in that episode is super elite. Like they're talking about their uh, super high powered jobs. They're talking about the companies. They live in these magnificent like palatial houses 
with acres of land, nice cars, drivers, and stuff like that. So I'm guessing that that level of technology has been instituted at a certain echelon of society around this time. Um, but common, com more common people like the Goggins um, wouldn't necessarily be able to afford or perhaps not be interested in it. Um, of course not. They are the type of ones that would be reading a newspaper, which we code as sort of an old-fashioned one in this sort of fancy tech world. The but only problem I have with that is that it's old-fashioned now, you know? So if it's well, near future, it's really old-fashioned. Right? I mean, and yeah, they're probably, I mean, from the look of them, their two sisters are still sharing a room at like age 15. They're definitely like, I, you get the sense that these, this is a poor family. It's not very well off. So their access to technology isn't going to be as great as others. By the way, small thing about that like, breakfast. Huh? Before we move on from him reading the newspaper, because we, we've spent a lot of time on that already. Um, <laughs> but it, you, you get a close-up shot of his face before he reads the newspaper, and you see him blowing on his cereal, um, which is uh, in, in milk. Like, he's, he's eating Fruit Loops in milk. I did uh, not right? notice Which that. Generally would not be hot. Um, but a lot of people, myself included, sometimes blow on cold things when they're eating them with a spoon, just out of habit, because they're used to eating soup with a spoon. Right? Absolutely. I just did that to some peaches I was eating <laughs> earlier. <laughs> so I think that that's just a it's a great acting moment and it's um it's great that they, it's something that they chose to keep in rather than being like, what? That's weird, you know, retake retake that. It would have been too yeah. pristine otherwise, you know. But instead, yes. yeah. It made me really buy into the characters as real people. You know, this mad scientist who keeps mice and a brain reader in his basement and drives around in an enormous mouse truck, right? Uh, yeah. So it was a, li a little thing to help me, you know, get get back to being grounded with the characters that, uh, you know, otherwise I wouldn't be because everything about this guy is so ridiculous. Um, <laughs> at least what he does, not how he acts. He acts very normal, but but the things he invests his time in are absolutely over the top. And even for I, Black Mirror. I find that, like... Well, I got into his character, especially after when he when he did buy her the Ashley too, because I got worried when Jack was like, by the way, when he, she had to remind him of her birthday, like, you know, her birthday's on Wednesday, right? And then I was like, oh no, is he going to forget and not tell her the Ashley, not buy her the Ashley 2 doll? But she does. Like he does. So I was, I was he happy. He does. And what's notable about Jack um, being the one to remind her is Jack in just the previous scene, was uh, or the previous scene where you saw these people was looking at the commercial while Rachel was watching it and rolling her eyes and saying it's so stupid I can't believe it like why would you why would you want something like that um, so it, it was fun watching her stick up for her sister and getting something you know trying to make her happy even though she herself thinks the thing is absolutely stupid and ridiculous. yes this the family feels like and it, it makes it a rarity in a lot of sort of in a, in a lot of modern media is that this family they're all obviously flawed people but they love each other and most of the time they act out of love jack does something later on that we'll discuss that's not quite i mean it was loving but it was the wrong thing for the right reasons yeah but anyway uh now rachel has her ashley two doll so yep. she's very excited and uh she starts um, she opens her up and, and starts asking questions and getting to know her. And, um, 
I one of my favorite things about Jack the, is again this whole time rolling her eyes in the background, putting her headphones in, playing music, and just generally being a pill about it. But um, you know, yeah. let's her have her fun. One of one of my favorite things about the design of Ashley too is the it it, it was the eyes, the way how whenever. Ashley too would ask Rachel a question like, oh, what's your name? And then Rachel would respond and the eyes would dim for a second, like to show that she was like thinking and processing. And I, I really enjoyed that, that that made the tech feel very, very real to me, that there was a pause. It wasn't instantaneous. And I believe that kind of stops after a certain moment later too. It does. Well yep. caught. Um, anyway, so uh, they, Rachel and Ashley, too, continue to talk throughout the evening, and um, we see how sophisticated the Ashley is. They start out by talking at, you know, basic stuff, press release stuff, oh, I'll be your friend, yada, yada. Uh, but they start to, Rachel starts to ask more sophisticated questions, like, what was the inspiration for this lyric? And Ashley, too, is able to give a, a well-thought-out, but still rather PC response. Yeah. At one point, Rachel gets up and goes to the bathroom of her and of her own volition. Ashley too starts to talk to Jack, who has uh, been playing bass to some hard rock bands. Um, uh, Ashley too has never heard of these bands, and Jack is a little bit like, "Ha ha," a little bit smarmy. But right. then Ashley too takes her down a two. What a by normie! <laughs> normie, right? But then Ashley too gets her, and I think shows that she's not like she's much more than just a a doll a doll for fifteen year old girls. When she tells Jack, "Oh, so you only listen to music your mother likes," because that's what Jack says. Oh, my mom was really into all these bands, and like she she gets Jack in in she she just she says something to Jack that makes her go, "Oh shit!" Like I was just red, you know, which I thought was a good way to to begin to hint to us that Ashley too was not all that she appeared, was more than she appeared, excuse me. Well, yeah, and more than that, um, you get the feeling that she just uh, kind of like, it's like, why the hell is this toy crossing the line and talking to me about my dead mother? And like, I, you know, I don't want this. Um, I think maybe Jack has reached a, a either a level, maybe not a different level of processing about it, but um, certainly a totally different expression than her sister has. Um, and yeah. so anyway, basically she is not having it with this doll asking personal questions, you know, to, yeah. to that extent, especially not in a way that is uh, kind of a clapback, to be honest. Yeah, she, she is, she's suspicious of Ashley too from the beginning. Um, speaking of Ashley too, the fifth scene goes back to her world. Uh, we are introduced to two more secondary characters. We are introduced to Mr. Monk, who is a shady-looking doctor uh, who has been giving Ashley questionable medicine, and the sound engineer, who is called, and I bet you didn't know this, Habanero. Uh, no, I didn't really catch that. It was never mentioned. I had to look it up on the IMDb page, and I found that the actor who played Habanero, his name is James Three. James Three. That's his name, James Three. Okay, that's interesting. I know, it was just, it's just an interesting detail. So. Yeah. I'm full of interesting details. 
Anyway, in this scene, we see Catherine showing her true colors. She's more interested in making moves, uh, money, excuse me, I can't read my own handwriting. She's more interested in making money off of Ashley than caring for her. She also insults Leonard Cohen, which I was like, cool, that's like just to prove that she knows nothing about music and hates the industry. Insult Leonard Cohen. Right. Um, in, uh, then we get scene six. Um, Ashley, after some encouragement, uh, from Ashley too, decides to participate in a school talent show, um, dancing to On a Roll, uh, the Ashley O song. Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember that tune? Do you remember how it goes? I absolutely do. Um, do you think we can play a clip of it? Uh, we, we might be able to, but if not, do you want to, like, bop to it? Uh... I mean, I, I didn't realize this was going to be a singing show. You kind of put me on the spot. You're an improver. Come on. Uh, punches, bro. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think let's just play the clip. And then, um, you know, maybe, maybe later. It's still two in the afternoon, so. Oh, whatever. I'm full of ambition and verb. I'm going to get what I deserve. Which yeah, is it's what very, I've been singing since I heard it. It's very catchy. Very, very catchy. Um, I actually kind of like that style of music. No, pop is pop is popular for a reason. It's just like it's good to bop to. It's fun to dance to. It is, and it's like, why should I develop my own musical taste when somebody else has spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to figure out what my tastes are and putting it on the radio and the internet for me? Okay, know? it's they're not trying to figure out what your tastes are. They're trying to figure out what the like lowest the, common the denominator common, is. Right, lowest common denominator. Would probably be a good way to put it, but it's called that for a reason. It's generally, you know, it's, it's meant for the most extensive mass appeal possible. So it makes yeah. sense that, you know, you get into it. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with liking pop. It's supposed to be popular. But, you know, people, everybody wants to be special and nobody likes to be average. Nobody wants to be a normie. Mm, exactly. But we're all normies, really. <laughs> Speaking of, going In back to the normie another. of this episode, Rachel, who is, you know, she wants to be the normal person. She wants to be the popular one. Um, and yeah, Rachel is... Yeah, has this whole... She, she would love to be, um, you know, this icon. She would love to be admired. It's very... Yeah, important. I mean, she, she's 15. Who yeah, and she talks about things like, you know, being popular, wanting people to know who I am, uh, you know, yeah, um, and that's how Ashley like O that. encourages her to sign up for the talent show. She says, like, oh, if you dance at the talent show, everyone will know who you are. And then we get a montage. Then we get a montage. Set to that oh. same song that we've been hearing snatches yeah. of from the beginning multiple times. Uh, the, there's another, there was another good tech moment that I noticed um, that she had an app to help her with a makeover that was using what appeared to be, like, facial recognition. Yeah, they use that. Um, they use that on other episodes of Black Mirror too. At least one Excellent. that I can think of, um, where you will kind of uh, select your face in advance. Uh, it's extremely similar to the technology that we talked about in another episode that may or may not ever see the light of day. Picard, um, yes. where a creature also a creature. I'm playing <laughs> too much D and D. A person, because they're all people. Uh, well, in Star Trek, they might not be all people. Well, I mean, they're generally all people, but a lot of the times they're aliens. Alien people. Anyway. 
you, where you the human type creature or live person looks in the mirror and selects what kind of face they want to put on through an app, like a screen on the side. They look back at the mirror and ta-da, they have it. So that's the technology that she uses here. It's used several other times in Black Mirror and some other shows that I've seen recently. It's it's fun. It has the first time I saw that sort of thing uh, was in the Fifth Element, which I believe I showed you. Uh, I don't. It has Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich. Uh, nope. Oh, okay. Well, uh, we're changing that. Anyway. All right. I guess we get a new episode with that coming up soon. No, oh, that would that would have to be a two-parter because it's it's a movie, but absolutely we can totally figure out how to do that. Okay. Um anyway, at the end of the montage, she's ready for the talent show. She's all dressed up in stage makeup, a pink wig, and a decent bit of age-appropriate renditioning of Ashley's silvery costume. Her yes. sister is disparaging of her look, but her dad is supportive. Yes, and it's very cute. It's a cute moment. And then in the seventh scene, uh, Ashley O, we see Ashley O is also getting ready for a concert. And this is where I want to shout out to uh, the writer, Charlie Brooker. Um, this whole episode, I've noticed, has excellent flow through each of the scenes, partly because they take, because you follow Rachel's life and you follow Ashley O's life. And you see each scene, every time a switch happens, it's the same moment. So you see Ashley O's morning where she gets up and writes the song and has her interaction with Catherine. Then you see Rachel's morning where she talks about her dad and it transitions into Rachel's afternoon and then and like late evening. And then you see in Ashley O's world, you see evening with Catherine and Monk. And then you have Rachel yeah. doing a concert and it's this lovely parallel flow um, that I really, really like. So, and it sort of, it keeps connecting the Ashley O and Rachel story because they don't actually meet until about the last, I want to say the last five minutes of the episode, nearly. Yeah, maybe not that extreme, but certainly uh, late, late on. Yeah. yeah. Any hoozle, uh, Ashley, Ashley O, getting ready for a concert. She is putting on a black eyeliner very thickly, which is a very new look for her and ignoring the frantic knocks on her door until uh, Bear, her bodyguard, his name is Bear, I love it, uh, he breaks down the door and Ashley um, sort of plainly out loud tells Catherine that she's not okay. She says it feels like I'm wearing somebody else's skin. But Catherine is dismissive and gives her that, you know, good old manipulative speech. Uh, yeah, just the whole you know, guilt trip thing. You can't let your fans down. Yeah, because she's putting on slightly different makeup. I didn't really get that, but, um, whatever. She overreacts. As we've already said, you know, she doesn't understand music. She doesn't understand that, you know, probably the fans would be, would not really care that much, um, if she wore a slightly different costume. Or yeah, well, because she's not interested, because she's there to make money, and to, if you know, and, like, there's... If you're trying to make money off of an artist, then you want them to produce the same type of thing over and over and over again because it made money once. So it's going to keep Yeah, money. especially if you're like, you know, Catherine appears to be, especially if you're not really um, someone who really knows anything about the industry, but is just trying to repeat um, a previous success over and over and over again. Yeah. And uh, 
She does. She does overreact uh, intensely. And Mr. Monk uh, comes over and gives Ashley the pills. She appears to take them, but when left alone, she spits them out and puts them in a pill box filled with other pills. Yeah. And then the eighth scene, we get to see Rachel's talent show. Now, the father has ducked out <laughs> um, because he noticed a mouse trap that was inhumane. Yeah, and he starts lecturing the janitor about it, and the janitor's like, bro, I'm just a janitor. I can't make any <laughs> Underpaid decisions. Underpaid and overworked. Yeah. Uh, but he is not watching when Rachel comes on stage, and uh, she does pretty well, you know, for a 15-year-old girl. Um, but halfway through the song, she falls off the stool and runs off the stage in embarrassment. Yeah, which I figure, which which I thought was a little bit unrealistic, and uh, that after she runs off the stage, you know, nobody gives her applause. I have been yeah. to a lot of, you know, uh, I used to do a lot of performing when I was a kid, and I've been to a lot of uh, shows and things where kids bombed and the parents and other kids were always so nice about it. you know they would always give at least a little bit of applause you know yes it, it wouldn't sometimes you know it wouldn't necessarily be cheering or a loud ovation but they would always support you know the students who were trying to do the best they could so I felt that it was a little unrealistic that she just got absolute shock silence you know in a high school talent show for falling off a chair and everyone's like <gasps> And then there's just like dead silence issue. Yeah, I agree with you. That was yeah. that was a, a very, I was like, oh, come on. But because of that, she starts crying all the way home. You know, obviously she's very embarrassed. But she says that she let Ashley down. And and Jack's expression changes from, it's not quite so disdaining now. It's it's getting steadily, like now she looks a little bit horrified when her sister says this. Yeah. Uh, with with due reason, I think that's that's always unhealthy when when you're worried about letting an inanimate object down. Um, the ninth scene is a very very quick scene um, after Ashley's concert. Uh, we learned that Catherine had Bear install cameras in the dressing room, and the trio of evil uh, discovers Ashley's diary and where she writes about how unhappy she is and her pill stash. Uh, yeah. Then the tenth scene, there's a slight time skip as we go back to the Goggins residence. It's the next day, but the theme of betrayal still continues. So uh, the parallel or mirroring a black mirror mirroring. Oh my God. I wrote a with four Y's in my notes. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's the, the parallel stuff still stands, I say. Uh, Jack is alone in the house. Uh, her dad and Rachel have gone to a swim meet. And yeah. Jack takes this opportunity to steal Ashley too and stash her in the attic. When she comes home, when Rachel comes home, uh, Jack lies and says that she threw Ashley out. I don't know why she didn't just... I mean, I know why, because if she'd actually thrown Ashley too out, then you wouldn't have a story, but... Well, I think she says that just so, you know, because um, uh, what else was she going to say? Oh, I hit her. And then have her go rummaging through the entire house, like, you know, looking all over the place. Or like, no, yeah, I stuffed her in the attic. And then she immediately just goes up there. It would kind of defeat the purpose of what she's trying to do, which is to separate her from this creepy doll who is substituting for real friends. Fair. Um, Kevin tries to be a good parent. 
by insisting that Jack buy her a new one, which never happens. Um, the damage has been done, though, and Jack and Rachel get into a huge argument uh, that will not quickly be resolved. So the 11th scene, the next scene, you have another uh, theme continued because you just saw Jack and Rachel have a huge argument. And now we get to see uh, Catherine and Ashley have a huge argument. Catherine has invited Ashley for what seems to be a heartfelt conversation over uh, delicious seafood tacos, which always, oh, now I want seafood tacos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she makes a big deal out of like, oh, let's have takeout like the good old days. You know, I yes. sent the cooks home and they're sitting in this big like outdoor kitchen slash dining area, which seems really awesome. I'm kind of jealous of it. Um, I know, right? Her house looks super cool. And they've laid out all this, you know, um, takeout, seafood tacos, you know. Um, and uh, it... Um, it devolves pretty quickly though, like I would say around the mid middle of the meal, um, when Catherine suddenly just like the actor just her her voice changes. Like she doesn't look different, but suddenly she goes from like, oh here I'm being nice to here are my true colors. And it's a very it's a very good acting moment. But she she reveals to Ashley that she has found her computer, her pill stash and her journal. And the first thing she accuses Ashley of is um, wanting to overdose and die to make Catherine look bad, which was incredibly self-centered of her. Yeah, we're getting pretty revealing of the short-sightedness there. Yeah. Um, but Ashley counters by saying that the pills are evidence of breach of contract and that Ashley will be released from her um, airtight contract because um, Catherine and Mr. Monk have, have broken the contract by giving her illegal meds. Um, however, uh, Catherine is one step ahead of her. Um, she has powdered the pills and put them in her food, put them in Ashley O's food. Um, it will not kill her, but it will put her in a coma. And the last thing that Ashley hears before she passes out is Catherine assuring her that her career wouldn't suffer. Yeah, and this is one of those moments that, um, again, kind of falls into very tropey territory where the bad guy, you know, uh, needlessly explains their entire plan. You know, if she had happened to have, you know, a, a, a phone, you know, recording this conversation, that also would have been evidence. Mm -hmm. Or if she had thought to call the police beforehand or, so, you know, any number of things could have gone wrong and been more easily thwarted had uh, Catherine not simply announced her entire intention right there. But even despite all of the tropiness of it, I really enjoyed this scene, in part because I think Miley acted incredibly well. She she definitely showed off her acting chops. Um, it was... Oh yeah, she's really good this whole episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I just, I mean, this, this was the moment where I, because everything else has been sort of typical and what I would expect from someone, because I mean, she's been on TV shows before, so it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. But when we got to the scene, that's when, when I really started to dig her as an actor, because it was very, the anger came from a very authentic place. She wasn't always angry. She had lots of different levels. She wasn't always yelling. Um, but, and the yelling too was, was very, I don't know, it just, it just felt very authentic. One wonders if she had a couple of real life things to pull from. That's know, what I've been know. wondering. I wonder how cathartic this was for her. Yeah, it's, I, it's, I just, I'm super into her. 
Um, but I'm, I'm I'm only got into her as an adult. Like recently is when I've gotten into her. I was never into her as a as a teenager, because um, I I had uh, Simon and Garfunkel, so I didn't need anybody else. <laughs> yeah, because you weren't a normie. That's what you're <laughs> no, trying to say, I right? A, oh, I was a special child. Anyway. Um, back to two special children. The 12th scene as well. Uh, Rachel and Jack are watching their dad in the basement um, demonstrate his mousetrap idea, which is a motorized mouse tater. Tater? <laughs> taser, pardon me. A motorized mouse taser. Which Shaped is so like cute. a mouse and using uh, the brain of a mouse for whatever reason, presumably to be able to track it down really well. Yeah, I guess. that's what uh, I was getting. That's what I thought. Yeah. Not entirely clear about that part, but whatever. He's got a uh, mouse taser. It doesn't taser really work, though. On wheels, shaped like a mouse, um, and it's using a mouse's brain to operate it. The voltage is, is far too high, though, and instead of stunning the mouse, it, it kills it. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, on the TV that's playing in the background, the news breaks of Ashley's coma. Uh, Jack retrieves Ashley, too, from the attic. Rachel is happy to have her back, but her relationship with Jack deteriorates even further, and she goes full-on silent treatment. Then we have a time skip to six months later. It is the 13th scene, and there's a cat in the establishing shot of the Goggins residence, and it made me very happy, and I shouted cat the first time I saw it, because it looks a lot like my own cat, because it was an orange tabby cat. Uh, I don't and remember that. Well, I always notice my kitties. <laughs> I wonder if they did. The, I wonder if they had that written into the screenplay, uh, or not the screenplay, but written into the you know storyboard, or if they there just happened to be a cat around, so they were like, oh, let's get an establishing shot with a cat there. I hope it was a random event and they rolled with it because I love just. It's also what a waste of, of a what a waste of resources to bring a cat all the way there, put it on set, and then film it just for an establishing shot. I think it was a wandering cat. Me too, and it made me like, it's a star now. I wonder if it knows. <laughs> anyway, enough about the cat. Um, Ashley O still has not woken up and Rachel is still giving Jack the cold shoulder. And uh, Kevin has left to go somewhere. Uh, he's left the girls alone. Jack is in charge and babysitting. Uh, Rachel is reading with headphones in and the TV on, which just like, I don't know how anybody can do that. I can barely read, I, I can barely read with like jazz music playing in the background. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, you know, maybe the headphones are loud enough or noise canceling enough that the TV wouldn't matter, but still. Or maybe there's like nothing in the headphones and she didn't know how to, like, hard your father her. works, um, you know, copying mice's brains and putting them into robots to um, get rid of mice but not kill them. Like, show a little appreciation. Turn the TV off for once. Little <laughs> jerk. Anyway. <laughs> well, the TV is on forever, apparently, because the TV is still on in this room. And um, mm -hmm. they do a bit about Ashley O. And the TV lady asks, well, she will say, she says uh, in, in the bit that she's doing, she says, when will Ashley wake up? Which activates Ashley 2, which has been lying on the shelf un unplayed with. Uh, she sees the piece and learns all the information and we get to uh, learn what the what Catherine has been up to in an excellent bit of uh, exposition. 
So I guess at some point during this time, um, Ashley too has been brought back down, uh, but Rachel yes, is uninterested in it. Yes, we see Jack at the end of at the end of the last scene. Um, we see Jack retrieve it in the thirteenth uh, in the twelfth scene. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah, especially since I just told that to you. Yep. Oops. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Um, where was I? Now I have to pay attention. Damn it. Oh, yes. Uh, the, what Catherine and crew have been doing uh, since Catherine put Ashley O oh, into a coma. They have hooked her up into a sort of a dream machine and are using technology to scan lyrics and melody out of her brain. And then um, using the voice software of Ashley 2, which were all recalled due to quote unquote battery issues, they were able to keep producing Ashley O oh songs which is just, oh, so, there's so much to unpack there. Or maybe not. Uh, I don't know, I didn't really think anything of it. Uh, the battery issues thing? Not the battery issue, like the whole, the whole, what they're doing to Ashley. This, like, being able to scan their brain, like, is, are those tech, because you know, you've watched much more Black Mirror than I have, are those technologies, like, is that usual? Are they using any other technology that has been done in, in previous Black Mirror episodes? It's not outlandish for Black Mirror, but um, actually when you when you see uh, Jack go retrieve the doll, I, don't rem um, uh, I just remembered this. You hear a news report, you're hearing a news report over about Ashley O oh, having supposedly dying, having supposedly died from the uh, shellfish allergy, whatever. Yeah. Um, and you hear that she's been taken to St. Juniper's, which is a research hospital that's mentioned several times in Black Mirror. And there's actually an entire episode oh. about it where someone who works there who was instrumental in finding test subjects for all these uh, technologies has opened a museum and kind of walks this other person through uh, the evolution of this uh, brain scanning slash virtual reality technology that they use quite often, you know, where they stick the disc upside your head. Um, yeah as they say that you've seen in many other episodes before. The green probably comes from there too, and the whole consciousness uploading into objects thing was explored there. And so, yeah, this is not outlandish technology for Black Mirror. Um, well, it, it definitely creeped me out when I realized like that's what they could do. And not only that, like, when they turn on, when, the, when, when they turn on the, the dream machine and they hear the lyrics and, and melody, um, Catherine's like, oh, it's so melancholy, and mm -hmm, can you fix mm -hmm. that? And, and they managed to like hype it up and pop it up. Um, yeah. And, and oh, look how sad it. she is. Oh. Yeah. Pretty bit of acting, mm -hmm. uh, but this that little TV thing um, sends Ashley to Rachel's Ashley Two doll, which is probably one of the very few still left in existence, um, into a rage, and she starts to short out. Uh, finally falling off the shelf and going into a mini coma herself. Her sort of wound, round white eyes are replaced by three red dots. The girls go down to the basement and uh, plug Ashley 2 into their dad's brain scan thing that we saw in the first scene. And uh, we see the brain of Ashley 2 and there is a bright spot ringed by red and the rest is dark. Jack deletes it kind of going ah oh, fuck it <laughs> yeah and um all of ashley's two brain lights up then ashley screams <laughs> 
get this plug out of my ass. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really funny. And uh, she starts cursing and behaving very unlike, well, what Ashley too. Um, and Ashley, like the pop star of Ashley too, and much more like the real Ashley O. Yeah. So Ashley 2 reveals that they have scanned Ashley's entire brain and recreated it for the toys, putting a limiter on everything that, was, that wasn't press released approved and suitable for children. Even it makes a reference to it apparently having been cheaper to just scan her entire brain rather than developing a recreation from scratch. Yeah, yeah, which I, I think is, again, it's, it's little details like that that make the world of Black Mirror so rich. Ashley, too, also insists that the coma is foul play. She is not allergic to shellfish, as Catherine has claimed. Uh, Rachel suggests going to the police, but Jack counters that they won't believe them, and she is probably most definitely right. They would not have believed them if they came in with a story. So they steal the ugly car and drive to Ashley's house with Ashley, too, in tow. In the 14th scene, uh, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley, too, arrive at the Flesh and Blood Ashley O's house, just as Catherine and crew are leaving for a big event. Jack uh, runs through the gate just in time and cons her way past Bear, the bodyguard, by claiming to be an exterminator who brought her little sister along. Using the old bathroom excuse, Rachel manages to sneak away and up to where Ashley is being kept. Ashley, too, has Rachel guard the stairs, but instead of looking for evidence on the laptop and Bluetoothing in like she promised, she unplugs Ashley O's machine, which was her plan all along. She would rather die than be used like this, Ashley, too, says, um, but Rachel bursts into tears. However, the unplugging alerts Mr. Monk, who alerts Bear, who then gets electrocuted by Jack's quick thinking and her dad's mouse taser. Yep. Jack rushes like, up. Well, I hope it wasn't turned up. On, I, I hope they he fixed the, the uh, voltage on this. And we never learn. We never know whether or not Bear dies. We never, I, we, we never see Bear again. The last thing we see of Bear, he's holding the mousetrap and lying on the floor. And it never comes up again. <laughs> well, presumably he didn't die because we don't, we know what happens to the characters and we don't see them in jail later, so... Um, <laughs> I mean, presumably they ended up in some sort of legal trouble of some sort, but uh, it all gets it all gets sorted out. It's one of those Black Mirror episodes where everything kind of works out in the end. Those are the only Black Mirror episodes I've watched so far, thanks to you, and I really appreciate it. Oh, except for that one really horror one. Yeah, and most of them are pretty horrifying and a lot more amb ambiguous than this. Yeah. But I there like are some happy one. ending cute ones, and, um, you know, this is one of them, some rather wholesome uh, but at narrative. the moment, it is far from wholesome, because uh, Jack is rushing upstairs and sees Rachel weeping over the, presumably, the dead body of Ashley, uh, who then wakes up and starts freaking out. Uh, the 15th scene, um, when Bear doesn't respond, Mr. Monk goes to check himself. Jack and Rachel hide as Mr. Monk calls Catherine, informing her that the machine has shorted out and Ashley is awake. Catherine states that they um, need her alive until, quote-unquote, they signed the papers. I'm assuming that they are investors. That seems correct. Yeah, I guess something like that, because she's giving some sort of, it's not really a concert, it's more of a presentation. An expose. Um, 
I guess, yeah. I guess those are they who are in attendance there. So uh, she tells Mr. Monk to put her under. And like, then Miley starts pleading, not Miley, Ashley O starts pleading, please don't do it. And I just like, I think, I think Miley acted the fuck out of that scene. Like, oh, yeah, I, for sure. it was so good. I was so impressed with her. Cause it's not like, it's one thing to be pretty on stage. It's quite another to like be vulnerable and do that ugly cry. And it like, it requires bigger acting chops. And I think she knocked it out of the park. I was just, I was just super impressed with her. Anyway, Jack leaps up to protect Ashley and thwacks Mr. Monk on the head with a metal plate, but it does nothing, and Mr. Monk gets her in a chokehold. Rachel then comes to the rescue and injects him with a syringe meant for Ashley, and he passes out. Jack and Rachel release Ashley, and they head out to the concert hall to stop Catherine, um, gaining quite a following of police yeah. officers along the way. And this, uh... There, there, there are quite a bit of uh, weapon, weapons being used in this that could have gone terribly wrong, but apparently didn't. Um, I don't yeah. know. I never quite know. So after that, we go to the 15th scene, which is the final scene of the show. It is at the concert hall that Catherine is uh, revealing, and she reveals something called Ashley Eternal. Using mocap and other technological powers that we described earlier, they have crafted the world's first virtual pop star. Um, any evil manager's deepest and darkest wet dream, a fully controllable talent that will never talk back or tire or change. Also streamable at all locations. So one of the, her selling points was like a live concert that everyone in the world could attend at the same time, which is kind of cool. Kind of cool, but then uh, it kind of defeats the point of a live concert, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But as we've established, Catherine definitely doesn't understand music. Oh, she doesn't get it. Doesn't so get this it. wouldn't have worked anyway. I don't but think. But Ashley Eternal starts to sing and do her stuff, uh, but is And grow really huge for some reason. Yeah, yeah. well, because she can grow really, really huge, so everybody in the back row can see her. Yeah. Which, you know, that's why they have screens. Right. Anyway, um, then Jack crashes the family car into the concert hall, uh, followed by a whole host of police cars. The police start shouting the usual, get out of the car with your hands up, while Catherine gets face down on the stage, whispering, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, over and over again. First, Rachel and Jack get out of the car, and they hold hands, and I was like, oh, sisters. Uh, then Ashley gets out of the car, and everyone is shocked, including Catherine, who gets up and looks at her silently. Ashley doesn't say any quip, though. She just flips her the bird. Then Atherin yeah. looks at the camera and drops the final F-bomb, and the credits roll. What do you yeah, think Yeah, it's pretty that? satisfying. You think it's satisfying? Yeah, it's fairly satisfying. I mean, um, it's clear also by, you know, the post credit sequence that, you know, kind of, kind of what happened and how that played out. Ah, Yes. What, but what got me in the, in the 15th scene before we get to the little epilogue was like, I, I, I still don't know how I feel about the bird flip. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I wanted something more or if I just want something more because I'm used to more of like a Joss Whedon type quip instead of just a more like, the bird. Like more of a reckoning or she should have pulled a gun out from the car and just blasted her head off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would. Just gone totally postal. 
I'm like, yeah. I, and I, I mean, I don't have an idea of what they would, what they would do at the end. It was just, it, it was, it was not what I expected her to do. So it, it stuck in my mind, which I suppose is, is a good storytelling because I'm still thinking. Maybe about if it she had said something years. like shellfish, really? <laughs> but I don't I think don't that would have, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway. So that's that's my one big question mark. I haven't figured out whether or not it needed something more or something less. Um, but you're right. There is an epilogue. Uh, in the epilogue, Ashley's playing a hard rock metal club we saw in the first scene. It's the same club. Um, Jack is on stage with her playing the bass. I loved that detail. I thought that was great. Um, her pop fans are horrified, but the metal fans really dig it. She um, crowd surfs safely. Rachel is also into the metal scene. She's hanging out at uh, a it's table. It's the same song, by the way, um, just with the lyrics changed. Yes, yes, yep. it is. It's it's a hard rock version. It's uh, you're gonna get what you deserve. Right, of, and some other that they've changed. Actually, the the, the all the lyrics have been changed, but um, yeah, it's it's definitely the same song. Which again, I thought was cool. She's sort of she's making her 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 own waves and her new style. Um, Ashley too is there, the doll. Uh, Ashley too is now sporting an anarchy symbol, which I thought was also super cute. And uh, then you see Kevin in the background talking to a bored looking stranger about humane mouse traps. And I was like, yay, I'm really glad they added that detail. So Kevin is still Kevin. Yeah. It was, all in all, I thought it was great. Um, one of my, and this is this is also something I've noticed a lot with Black Mirror in general. Um, one, one of the other thing, my, my final my final note, I suppose, on Black Mirror was that they don't use close-ups as much as some other TV shows will do. Where especially with like arguments or overly emotional scenes, they'll just get right up close to the actor's face, and Black Mirror doesn't do that. And I really appreciate that. I, I really appreciate this cinematography um yeah that's true they kind of count on you to figure figure things out a little bit more sometimes um be less in your face with you know here's an emotional moment let's play some sad music and get really super up close well you so see you can i like it you can see more of the scene you see more of the actor's reaction you it, it, it's less about oh look our here's a pretty person being sad and more about hey we're trying to tell a story it feels more like the theater it feels more like the stage and that's one of the reasons i appreciate it because anytime a movie is, is done like a play i like <laughs> yeah for sure all right i guess that's the unless you have anything you want to add fellow host i say we call that a successful episode I don't really have anything to add, but uh, Black Mirror is good. This show is good. You should watch it uh, if you want to and stick around for the next one, which will be about, I'm not sure yet. Maybe we'll add something onto the end of this next one, teasing the next one. Or You'll this find one. out later. No? Yeah, something like that. Cool.